Welcome to the Growth League podcast, where we interview business owners who have experienced quantum leap growth in their business. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into our guests' firsthand experience about what it was like 90 days before and 90 days after that point when their business started experiencing massive growth. So I am here with my guest, Eric Varden. Welcome, Eric. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate yeah, thanks, appreciate your time. So um, I'm going to introduce you guys first to Eric, and then we're going we're gonna to jump into the convo. So Eric is a tech entrepreneur, C-suite executive, and advisor with more than 20 years of success in a number of industries, marketing, advertising, consumer-based cannabis, health and wellness, fitness, luxury, fashion, beauty, technology, and, and digital. Uh, leveraging extensive experience in business development and startups, Eric's broad areas of expertise include brand development, digital strategy, communications, entrepreneurship, leadership, and growth. Um, I first met Eric at a couple of years ago now at the, uh, the gathering conference in Banff put on by cult. Uh, and I was blown away with Eric's perspective on business and strategy and, and consumer behavior and, um, a number of different topics, I had the opportunity to chat with him and get to know him a little bit, uh, since then. And, uh, you know, Eric, obviously, um, I, I, as I mentioned to you before, I, I look at what you guys are doing, what you've done, um, certainly an inspiration for myself, uh, for our agency. And uh, so cannot thank you enough for, for joining me today. Um, Eric uh, founded and started uh, Arcane Digital in 2011, I believe, mm-hmm. and has, uh, has grown that to be a uh, force to be reckoned with. And, and there's some news on that front too, and, and has recently... Uh, started and co-founded Morpheo. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're up to now? Yeah, so Morpheo was uh, was built in in the agency and, and ultimately, uh, like most of us in, in the grind of, uh, of service, wanting to jump into product, um, it didn't the start dream. that way. The dream. Yeah, the dream. It didn't start that way early on. Ultimately, we you know, we had like everybody else, we had mistakes going all over the place. We had so many campaigns and, you know, millions of dollars and clients all over the country and in many cases in through the U.S. And our team was stressed and busy and unhappy and overworked and running from meeting to meeting. And now, you know, Zoom to Zoom, but back then literally meeting to meeting. And I remember times where there's only enough time to basically run to the bathroom and back into the boardroom. And it just didn't make any sense. And so, yeah, we were growing rapidly and um, you know, at the, at the end of, uh, at the end of the day, the, the bottom line wasn't really increasing the way we expected it to. And you always chase the top line thinking the bottom line is going to, you know, follow suit. Uh, and it didn't. So we, you know, did what we do with clients, which is we looked at our data and tried to really understand what was going on. And, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of the mistakes, uh, a, a lot of the repetitive tasks and a lot of the mundane work that were burning out our team and staff and even ourselves, um, was what was causing the issues. And so we, we ultimately started to, to build automation to solve a lot of those problems. And, and it became uh, a big, uh, you know, a, a core value within the business. Uh, and ultimately was, was the major thing that allowed to, to scale rapidly and, and start early on to look at uh, external automation as well as our own tools to really build processes that, you know, we could scale. So that, that, you know, now has turned into, to Morpheo. It's, it's, uh, you know, pun intended morphed itself uh, yeah. and pivoted over the few, over the last few years. Uh, but we really aim to, you know, our mission statement is to, to do sort of what I just said, make, make marketers uh, more awesome, effective and productive and happy. And, and that's what we do. And we do that through AI machine learning and 
and a whole bunch of nerdy stuff I think we can get into, but that's ultimately totally. our, our mission. Bringing us back to the beginning of, you know, back at the beginning of Arcane in 2011, um, you started out as a, a team of how, how much, how many, how big were you? Uh, ultimately it was John and myself out of each other's basements, like every good startup. So, yeah. you know, it, it was, it was the two of us and, and we ported together a couple, um, uh, we each had our own portfolios and clients and, and really just mashed them together and, and with Tony then who became our third partner. And we had a, a couple of really big clients that were able to pitch and win. And, but really it was just the, the three of us to, to start and then add it on our other partner. And so always small and, and, and nimble to, to mm -hmm. get going. So like a lot of agencies, did you guys start out, uh, with, you know, a lot of agency owners I talked to, they started because of one specific client and then they figured, well, let's just do this again. Was that similar for you guys or how did that go? Yeah. In, in many cases, I mean, it was uh, a lot of really, um, you know, hippie-esque things that moved together to allow us to um, um, to start Arcane. And I had run an, an agency for about eight years prior to that, um, but, ha you know, was under a, a bit of a divorce of non-compete you know, non and NDA, non-solicitation. So that freed up. Uh, I took a job, you know, that didn't work out. I tried to buy the business that didn't work out. John and I were really, you know, best friends. Um, and he was working with another guy and I started to work with him all, basically all of us had a portfolio and we're all kind of working together, knew each other. Uh, even though John and I kind of had already sort of started that boat, found a couple others with like mind and that's ultimately what we did. So yes, we had clients to start helped with the cash flow. Um, interesting story is that two of them, uh, one of them, a very large fitness chain that everybody will know. Um, and, and another regional client who's still with Arcane to this day, one of our first and, and even biggest um, went under review. We, we thought as part of our launch that these were our clients, but we quickly realized that they needed a bigger team and wanted something more substantial than each of us as individual contractors. Um, so we got lucky. We had this idea to put math behind marketing, pitch them something big, and we ended up winning all those. So a lot of luck, uh, you know, a lot of hard work, but we definitely brought a portfolio with us to, to help us get started. Awesome. That that's kind of what uh, the Growth League podcast is all about is understanding and, and you know what it's it's never one point it's never one moment in time but we're trying to investigate what what was happening sort of six months before six months after this quote unquote tipping point you know from garage to okay now we're building a bench of talent and we're we're, we're taking office space and whatever so if there's one moment that sticks out to you for Arcane specifically, uh, you know, what was that tipping point and how did it, how did it define itself in terms of growth? Was it, whether it be revenue or full-time employee count, T talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, we, we, when we started, I remember the conversation and, and Tony, after we ultimately made a deal with him and, and um, you know, brought him under the Arcane, he had his own sort of separate brand and we mashed it together and, um, you know, ultimately you, you hope for the best, but sometimes, especially when you're young and small, you're like the, the most exciting part is going and pitching and trying to, you know, obtain that business. And then it's scary, you know, as hell when it's like, oh my God, we actually have to do this work. Right. <laughs> um, and so we, we just, we became obsessed with winning new business and we also did the work, but it, it was at, I, re, I remember driving to a meeting and John, we were talking to, we were going from London, Ontario head office to Toronto. This was before we had an office in Calgary and Montreal. Uh, and we were talking on calls the whole way. We literally ran out of the gas on, on uh, 401, I think, or the garden or something like that <coughs> to, a, to, to a new business meeting. We're both with suits on. It was like no 50 degrees outside. Um, and we're trying to do some work and launch a campaign on a call driving and we're, 
we're talking, mean, none of us have any idea of what's going on. John and I, we run out of gas and we're basically, he's running down the gardener trying to get gas in his suit when it's hundred degrees. And we're like, man, we, we, we have so much going on. We, we really need to get some help here. Um, and, you know, I think from there, we, we, we just sort of started hiring people left, right and center and became, you know, uh, we became really cognizant that we had to get out of the way and really bring in people to do what we were doing a good job at, but not ultimately the, the best. So, right. What's the, what's the, I mean, I think you started in December of 2018 with Morpheo, but what's the evolution of, of that company been, um, from, from, you know, shovel in the ground to where it is today? Yeah. And I mean, it, it's definitely a, um, there's still, a, there was still a lot of work to do in the arcane front and, you know, um, you know, new business to managing client relationships. So, um, you know, collectively it was the separation of that while building the, the business. I mean, to take something that kind of works and extract it into um, a, a new business altogether, both legally and the branding and the marketing itself, outside of the fact that we had a product that we had built you know, ultimately for one company and, and the way one company works, uh, we knew we were going to have at least a year, a year and a half to find our product market fit. Um, and, you know, had some, some money in the bank and we had a good headway, you know, but it was a, a year of that kind of concurrent wearing double hats of, I need to be this today and I need to be that today. And uh, over time that kind of flipped to, to where we, you know, are now, I guess, with a full-time focus on, uh, on, on different things, but, you know, it was the launching the product and, and getting, you know, a, a beta public, a beta release, public release and going mm -hmm. through that. And then going into the, you know, something that became my passion for probably a couple of years of really understanding the world of raising capital was something I was not comfortable with. Didn't really know anything about people are throwing terms around dry powder, this and series A's and B's and C's and like, stuff that I, you know, I didn't know. I, I was a graphic designer and developer and, right. you know, random flash guy from back in the day, learned how to run a business somehow. Um, and I was felt, I felt very uncomfortable. So that was a part of it. Spent probably a good year and a half of many, many, you know, doors slammed in our face, even though we had a good story and a good track record. And that's a whole nother tangent I'm happy to get into at some point. Um, we're lucky enough to raise some, some money at the end of 2019. Um, and, you know, got into the whole launch phase, et cetera, and then kind of COVID hit. So we'll save that and pause there, but it was a, a long transition. And even before then, about a year before that of bringing in a CEO and the COO to run Arcane so that we could once again, sort of replace ourselves and not get in the way it's years of planning, uh, to even, right. Just that doesn't happen overnight. Right. So like, no. where, where did that, where did that, uh, where did that pain or when did that pain first kick in? Where you're like, we are tired of running from meeting to meeting and optimizing campaigns and making sure we don't, you know, surpass thresholds that must've been before 2018. Right. But as you said, CEO oh, yes. in place, systems in place, H how long, uh, before 2018 did, uh, did the pain start? Day one, I think it was the first or second, and probably even before then. Um, I mean, I, I ran my agency before was small. There was three partners, and um, we had a, a beautiful little office, and we outsourced to eight, to the big agencies around uh, North America for the most part. So we didn't really have to travel much. Uh, we had a couple of big clients in the U.S., um, but it was contract work. It was you know fighting uh, for for what you're going to eat and killing it for the next day, project after project managing contractors for a lot of our heavier development and creative stuff too. Uh, and so I lived that life and I, and I, I did, didn't really like it. And it was, it was hard. It was a hard, hard grind. And so we, we knew going into it, that reoccurring revenue and retainers, um, you know, and a focus on building, 
you know, that, that reoccurring annuity was a, was a big deal. And why I say that is because we had really good, um, uh, network and, and peers and advisors that were like, you, you have to make sure that you don't get stuck in owning the relationship. And at the same time, early on, we were, uh, we were quite active in acquisitions and buying portfolios. Um, and many of the conversations were with people that have been in business forever and they were still best friends with their biggest client. I'm like, that right. doesn't make a, that doesn't make sense to me because how can you extract yourself from your business as Joe's brand when Joe's right. always around? Uh, and, and I said, to myself, I'm like, if we're going to sell this business, it has to be a brand. It has to not be uh, completely tied to the ownership. And if it's turnkey and has a, a business and the management and can run by itself, then it has to be that much more valuable. Um, so that was a big one. And we we also had some partners and clients that they they were still in it and approving right. copy at 80 years old or something ridiculous. And it was like, not me. There's no way that's going to be me. So right. it started from day one and it was always in in, in our values. When you guys find yourself found yourself out of gas there on the uh, on the highway, who who was the first hire after that? Um, I think we had we we definitely had a team by then, but that was when Toronto our Toronto office was just really starting to ramp up, um, and I think it was actually soon after that. Funny enough, that um, you know we were growing rapidly out west, I, and I think we had two we had. We had a whole bunch of work coming in and we thought that acquisitions on the strategic side would give us talent right away and office space and those kinds of things. And, mm. you know, the, the story of Rare, I think, is a whole nother one. Um, but it, it led to a lot of those kinds of things where we couldn't hire enough people. Uh, we were lucky we were in London where we have two, you know, we have Ivy and Western and college uh, at Fanshawe there and a couple others. So we could find good people, but we were, we had so much new business, we couldn't even keep up with it. So hmm. I think it went from around that time of like running out of gas of maybe 10 or 11 people to uh, a year later, and there was about 35 or 40. So it was insane. We had one day that 11 people started uh, on a Monday kickoff and and you know, it was absolutely stupid. And so, so were those were those new full-time employees brought on after new client contracts were in place? Was it, was it get the job, fill the, fill the supply? Um, no, we, I mean, we, uh, we were finance first. I mean, our, mm -hmm. our first hire to be, to, to be clear was my neighbor and, uh, our controller and, you know, the things of not paying yourself, stay in the basement, hoarding cash, you know, looking at cash flow, everything. She, she helped us ensure that every decision that made, uh, went to, to saving dollars. And so early, early on, we always, uh, we always would, you know, pitch, but we we would bring people on more proactively. We would hire people very often that were awesome human beings and very smart, and we'd figure it out later. Right. Uh, we were highly confident in the new business, and it was just a, a, the time. Like it was after that, you know, 2010, the real bottom of 2008-ish recession. It started to really come up, um, and we had networks, and we were a bit older, and we were fairly connected, and. And so I think that allowed us to get in a lot of rooms. So again, to answer your question directly, most often it was before. Right. It definitely was a bit of, wow, that was more than we thought it was going to be. And we might need some more people um, throwing people at the problem, a whole nother conversation. But more than not, it was hiring proactively before so that we didn't right. get in the position of not being able to actually execute. Yeah, building that bench. Yeah. So, you know, if, I always ask this, if, if growth and you know, quantum leap growth or next level growth. If that was a, you know, an entree in a restaurant that you were ordering, um, what are some of the key in your experience? What are the key ingredients sort of nine months before that need to be in place for you to grow 
you know, on a trajectory or on a path where you're not overextending yourself, you know, it's controlled growth or whatever, but what are these key ingredients or is there such a thing? I don't know, man. I, it's, uh, I think the way I would answer it is that I, I'm more of a, a, a personality that lives kind of in the moment and I'll deal with it. And it is a fine balance. And, you know, I'm sort of yeah. talking about both sides where I'm like, we hire good people, but it's because we kind of had a really, a really good grounding and we knew and felt that we were confident in what was going to happen. Um, but we also sort of looked at it a different way. I mean, we were not focused on, we didn't worry about getting the work done. You know, we, even though we're talking proactively and making sure there's, there's always a solution. And I think it mm -hmm. was either confidence, stupidity, and some ego, but we would figure it out. Right. And I think that living in the moment means we're just going to sell as much as we can, as fast as we can. And it's somebody else's problem to figure it out. And we then got into this whole offensive defensive strategy in the business where I like, I'm, you know, don't talk to me about the bank, the finances. I don't care. I don't want to know if anyone's getting paid. I, like, I don't care about anything. Right. Take everything away from me. So I'm just going to go out and pitch as much as I can to make sure our clients love us and that we're doing awesome work and everything else. I'm assuming that is being taken care of. And that's, you know, taken uh, some good stories and some bad, but over yeah. time that actually became a really big strategy for us. We built our business around being able to have data at our fingertips and software that would tell us if there was issues happening. But to me, that separation is you're solely focused on, on that growth and you got to plan for it and you got to stop and pause and make sure, you know, that the things aren't on fire. Mm -hmm. But I think Kayla, I don't know if there's a middle ground there where you would get so obsessed with worrying about the next six months and do we have enough cash flow of this? And yes, those are important things, but I feel like it's going to deter you from what you need to do that day, that week. Right. And to get too far, you know, ahead of yourself, probably it's hard. It's definitely yeah. hard to project that far. One of our, one of our previous conversations, you and I, you, you talked about and stuck with me is that anything that is possible to put a number on or, or to, to slap a process and system behind, do it. Is that, is that a hindsight revelation or is that something that you headed, headed into growth you know, with that in the forefront in terms of planning. Yeah, no, it, it be, again, back to our first hire there, it became where um, we knew how important it was to have good people um, so that we could focus on offense and defense for that analogy. Um, so it became, you know, Dave now in the, in this, in the CEO, he was our really first big hire where an executive firm went out and said, okay, go f help us find a, a VP of finance. Mm -hmm. um, so that we would have that confidence, you know, in the business to be able to, to do what we needed to do uh, and, and have somebody like that be able to execute from, you know, the inside out. So, um, you know, he quickly, he didn't, he came from a public accounting, had no real idea of what an advertising agency. And it's so funny working with accountants are like, so how do you make money? <laughs> like, it, you might want to strap in here because it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a learning curve, even though it's not that difficult of a business. Oh, man, um, but yeah, we, we became obsessed with, and it was always in, in nine times out of 10, we would hire people that didn't come from the agency world. One of our first main hires, and uh, you know, he, he's been with us, you know, oh, seven, eight years, I guess now, something crazy. Um, background in computer science, worked at Goldman Sachs, you know, understood the finance and he's head of digital and head of, uh, of data analysis, et cetera, because we didn't want somebody coming from the advertising, the old advertising world. So you bring in a public accountant who's going to be like, okay, here's how we should run this business. And here's how we should manage it. We're like, do everything that we aren't going to do. And anything that you read about agencies, don't do that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, be, that I think ingrained, in, to, again, to answer your question directly was focusing on ways that systematically 
the business would be run financially first always. Mm-hmm. And he just took it to, you know, a whole nother level. Yeah. I mean, I, I count my lucky eggs every day that I was able to hook up with my business partner when I did just kind of, I think we got paired into a, into a working group in our MBA cohort together. And that was 10 years ago. And, uh, you, you need, you need that, you need that, uh, that integrator, that control, right? So you talk to me a little bit about growth, uh, organically versus growth through like a raise or something like that. How do you look at those two? How do you decide on which one, um, you yeah. know, based on your experience? Yeah. I mean, that, to me, like the service side is so easy to, um, to cash flow because you have instant, you have instant cash flow in, in fees from, from your clients when you can win business and you don't need a lot outside a solid internet connection, a good computer and a WeWork space and, and something to sell and somebody, Plug. you know, and somebody yeah, that can sell yeah. and you're off to the, to the races. And if you're smart about the business, you don't let ego go out and get you a new Range Rover or whatever on your first, uh, you know, your first paycheck. Uh, not there's anything wrong with that. Absolutely. Uh, I drive a Ford, of course, the best, the best trucks you can get, but Absolutely. Uh, separate that from our, our GMC friends. Anyway. And by the way, a uh, quick plug for WeWork back there about 10 seconds ago. I'm going to need there you to sponsor you. that next step. Right. <laughs> uh, what was the question? What the hell was I talking about? Yeah, okay. Organic growth versus a, uh, versus a raise or something. Yeah. Like so, so for us, it's in this world, it's, it's all cash flow. And, and, you know, early on though, if, if, if there's a part of you that, you know, feels confident that you've got some friends and family around to, to put some dollars in great, I, I just never wanted to go that route. So mm-hmm. I always went out and, and was able to, to, as a sort of a salesperson pitch and, and go out and find new business and strike up partnerships and build the a network and all that stuff. Um, so I, I just don't think in our business until you get to those sort of bigger growth phases that you, you might need a lot of, um, uh, in a, a lot of capital, uh, at the same time, you know, banks, especially with service, if you have contracts, retainers, <clears throat> will look at your receivables and be able to work with you to help cash flow. You know, those kinds of things. Um, you know, so for the most part, for me, that's the kind of world of of service and and uh, on the SaaS side or on the product side, completely different world and completely different beast. But you know, you you need enough time or dollars and in. in you know, fortunately right now there's a lot of great government funding and, and great tax incentives, mainly a little bit more here in Ontario also in, in uh, obviously out West in, and they're different, but in some cases national um, that can help you kind of grow whatever yeah. you can again to bootstrap, et cetera. But you're going to need to raise money because the world of, of product, unless you're selling something, um, you know, super niche and enterprise, you're going to need money and you're going to need time uh, in finding that fit of small enough of a market that is going to pay a lot and right. quickly for your product takes years to be quite honest with you. And, and so it's very, to clarify that's on the product side, not, not as yeah. much on the, okay. Yeah. So and, and you know, it's, it's again, different. I'm coming from, I can go out tomorrow and sell somebody a 10, 20, hundred thousand dollars, something, and it yeah. might take me a month or two. And you know, the small ball of, of finding something that is, is repetitive uh, and that is reoccurring, albeit smaller, that compound right. effect is great. The valuations are huge and multipliers are huge right. because it takes, you know, years of, of burning cash to figure it out. So again, a whole bunch of different things on in between, but whether you're a product or service, you know, definitely taking the time to understand the landscape out there and the time frame for each is, you know, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. What do you think the future on a different note now, what's, uh, what's the future of, or what's the current landscape of digital agencies today? Is it, you know, you know, the overhead volatility and all that, it, all those issues, is it, is it, 
you know, looking at something like Communo, like what, what, what is the reality of an agency today? Yeah. I mean, it's, you see it, it all has to change. And so a couple of ways I'll answer that for bigger agencies like conglomerates who, you know, have a very archaic business model that are going to have a difficulty pivoting quickly enough with advisory boards, board of directors and offices and, you know, all sorts of agreements uh, at the media level and trade desks for moving cash around. Like, I just can't see that working when, um, you know, there are examples, whether it's Pepsi's or, you know, Nike's that fire their agency and, you know, build a 50 person agency within their team because they can, and it's cheaper. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? And the accessibility of unbelievable talent in using something like a communal, absolutely, where you can find the best person wherever for the time you need them should make all of us that much more happy, I think. And, And that opportunity just means, you know, disruption all over the place. I mean, commercial real estate, at least for now is, is dead and or forever changed you know, we as agencies or service side, we're going to always need to be around people, but we're probably going to change our office environment to be highly collaborative for a few hours a day or a week, and then let people live their lifestyle. Um, That is a fun business to be in. Hmm. And one example I'll give you with um, uh, one of our larger consumer brands, just as an example of the market is they were originally retail wholesale 80-20 uh, 20% online, which is, was a lot for them from a revenue perspective in less than six months, they've completely flipped that. Um, and I mean, talk about that's the market. So everything yeah. is digital. Everything is delivered. Everything is, you know, to your door. I mean, this is no surprise, but yeah. what that means for us on the back end is a lot of media, a lot of dollars, a lot of campaigns. And now the speed at which you're going to see the big four, you know, rapidly own the market. It's going to be the next few years are going to be absolutely insane. So, you know, think about when I went to school, the same process exists. You know, we build a website, you go to wireframes and you get into some creative and you write some copy. Like it, it's ridiculous that people are still doing that. Right. When I can go in, in for X amount of dollars, build a website with a few inputs and basically a type form. And it's, it spits out. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but the notion that sub- subjectively we will, manually build things is going to change. So I believe that the future is, you know, none of us want to do the grind grinding part of it. We want big ideas. We want strategy. We want to be the creative problem solvers that we are and the mundane and repetitive stuff, leave it to the machines because they are going to win. It's going to work. We don't want to do that work anyway. So the quicker we are to accept this new way to this new way to workflow, um, you know, we, of course we've adopted, we're, we're in it, but it is rampant. And I spend most of my time with investor calls and in prospecting competitors and all this kind of stuff. And it is mind boggling what people are, are building. Hmm. Uh, so just kind of strap in, but that's so where, the, I, where the value prop is. The idea is it's the humanity around it. It's the, it's the working with the client to figure out which tech stack to put in place, regardless of that's, you know, proprietary or third party doesn't matter. We, we will always need to, as humans be, you know, in between the decision-making. And I don't know if it was at that, uh, gathering. It was, yeah. Use the Burger King one. I still use yeah. it to this day because yeah, they're, they're let us do what we do. But I got into marketing and advertising because I love the, the theme of coming up with something that was going to trigger an emotion in someone else. Machines aren't going to do that. Right. And all of a sudden I'm grinding out keywords in the campaign. And I'm like, why am I doing this? This isn't why I got into the business. So gotcha. uh, I think that evolution will, uh, will allow us. And the other side is uh, there's a lot more money in it now. I mean, 
the, our overhead, our biggest overhead outside of people, of course, buildings and expenses and travel and communication, all that stuff is gone. Yeah. And it's a great time to be in this business. There is no better time to be in this business. So it's going to be fun. That's awesome. So if you go back to your, maybe your red rhino days or, or before then, like if you could hover above young, younger Eric, uh, what do you, what do you, what are you telling him? Say, Eric, watch out for this or do this differently. I mean, I, I don't believe in doing things differently. I don't have regrets, but what, what would you? Yeah, that's easy. I mean, I, uh, I, I trusted my best friends and if they're listening to this or, or not, uh, I don't really care. Uh, we had a bitter divorce and, uh, you know, and these are people I went to school with and, you know, we grew up together and I shared a first basement with them. And, um, you know, we're 24 and we have multiple income properties and stocks and a cool agency that's doing well and a really good lifestyle. And, um, and, but I didn't listen to one of my advisors, like, make sure you get your paperwork done, your shareholder stuff. And so we mm-hmm. started down that road and we just had a, a difference of opinion for whatever reason and young and stupid before kids. And we let that, you know, get us to the point where it ultimately, I, I left and I, I had to, and I, you know, mm-hmm. I found some things out that didn't work for me. And, you know, we went on our separate ways and uh, it was ugly and nasty. But what I learned from that is that, you know, it's not about trusting people. It's about setting yourself up for success. And so, you know, when John and I started our business, I had that conversation with him. He knew about it because we had been friends. And I said, here's how it's going to run. We're going to settle this stuff up. We're going to split everything 50-50. And we're going to make sure that there isn't anything we can't ever discuss before it becomes an issue. And, you know, so I, I learned that the hard way. That's the only thing that I would, you know, I would change. At the same time, again, talking out the other side of my mouth is that I learned so much um, you know, from what that meant to me personally, hmm. uh, in a very stressful time that prepared me for some of the things that we, that we went through in, in the arcane growth. And I'm not sure I would have been able to handle them, uh, as an introvert in, in that way. So, Hey, it all, everything happens for a reason is, is, uh, an overused as that term is it, yeah, it yeah, really yeah. is, uh, uh, it really is true. There's probably other a couple of things, but it's recording. So we'll save that for another day. Caleb. Oh, that's awesome. man. <laughs> I've always, I've always been curious about, I think it's the same photo on your LinkedIn profile, but that, that one behind your left shoulder, what's, uh, what's going on there? Which way this way? Yeah. The light or that? The photo, the one, the one that's on the wall there. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So that was, we went, we, we did some really insane things, but one of our clients who actually I, I went to high school with, and it's, it's London, really much like Calgary where everybody's mm-hmm. basically related and knows each other. <laughs> he comes in one day and he's like, check out this building I bought. And it was been sitting, you know, uh, unused for years and, you know, falling apart. And he brought this rendering in and we're like, holy crap, this was four or five months after we had just moved in from our little space to our brand new space that we had just renovated. Um, and uh, we knew we were going to outgrow it. John didn't believe me. He still actually needs to eat a hat because he, he owes <laughs> Um And I said, we're going to need more space. And we did. And so he's like, I want to build this in London. I want to make it the tech center and do like a WeWork kind of thing. And we plug. said, Quick we, had, we had 10,000. Yeah, there's another one. We had, uh, we had 10,000 square feet. And uh, he's like, okay, there's 10,000 a floor. And we're like, okay, well, we'll take, we'll take all of it. How's that sound? And, oh, and so we went through this insane renovation, you know, 40,000 square feet. And so jokingly, um, he said, listen, when you, if you guys actually do this and you build this, these three floors out and you take this whole thing, he's like, first of all, you're nuts. Uh, I will build you the best patio in downtown. And so oh, that's that awesome. a party for, 
uh, the launch where we, you know, we, we lit it up pr pretty well. So it was a lot of fun. So I always That's keep awesome. that because a lot of really cool people, some of, uh, some of which aren't are, are with us anymore at the organization and just a, a really great day, really great yeah. day. Well, that's awesome, man. We, uh, we're, we're, we're on a mission of collecting experiences, uh, with our team. You know, you can't overlook these things. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the DNA of who you're going to be tomorrow and who they're going to be tomorrow. I mean, obviously yep. we don't expect everyone that works with hook and ladder to be a hook and ladder forever. Right. And so what, uh, what experiences can we give them? Yep. Um, so, you know, businesses that achieve growth and scale typically most often have, have a strong leader at the helm or leaders. Um, but most strong leaders I know have very specific and, and, uh, um, strong morning routines. So I want to, I want to learn a little bit about your routine or maybe it's a nighttime routine, but is there something that more or less, I mean, margin of error here and there, but more or less you stick to that kind of keeps you, uh, in line. No. Nope. Good. No, I am. Uh, I am actually a believer of the opposite. So okay. tell us about uh, that. As I had mentioned earlier on, I live within that day. Um, I don't get up early. I don't get up, stay up late. Sometimes it depends on what happens that day. Um, and I really have always tried to be completely flexible to, you know, where I need to be, who I need to be and what I need to be in that given moment. Um, I've, I've read lots and investigated lots and tried certain things. Um, I, and I think I've found over time that if I can be as again, overused term as agile as possible, but in that day, I am completely more present in that moment than I ever possibly could if I tried to, to formulate it. So early on when I, uh, you know, started, everybody was in the whole inbox zero, you know, uh, life side. And I am again, the opposite. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't do that. And, but I will remember every single email, subject line, content, who it was from, when, never deleted an email in my life. And so I think over time, I've just been able to sort of, you know, figure it out. But um, that living in the moment may be just, you know, ultimately present and back to your question around the growth and, and how do you deal with the future? And, you know, uh, I just dealt with it every day. So again, that may change. Uh, even with kids, I thought, man, okay, I'm going to get up at five and do this whole like five hour work day week thing. And no, nope, I just live every day and I love to be extremely busy um, and uh, and just do what I need to do to accomplish my goals for that day. So a little bit of a different approach, but it, it works for me. Well, I don't want to get you too, too micro on you here, but maybe that chaos is the routine, no? Yeah, I think you might be right. I mean, I, I uh, if I'm running from meeting to meeting, I'm generally that much more happy uh, yeah. and I have that much more energy. So yeah, I, have to, I used to have this, you know, specific routine. I think that you know, lately over the last 17 months with the birth of my first there you baby, go. you know, yeah. I think my routine is just make sure you don't screw up those 15 minutes in the morning, right? Where it's, you know, yeah. pick her up, drop her off at uh, daycare. And then that, that's kind of the thing that sets me off, right? If I, if I skip that, then I'm, I'm all messed up. But after that, it's, uh, you know, be in the moment as well. So I'm glad you, glad you took us down that. Now, the last thing here is, uh, Obviously, you got a lot on the go. Actually, two more quick things. Absolutely. The next one is uh, outside of you know the continued development and growth of, of Morpheo. What's the next mountain in your right in your windshield? Um, what are you looking to climb next? Yeah, I mean it's um, that's a that's a long thing. I'm, I mean I'm I am excited about what's next. I think first and foremost, it's you know with with the with the acquisition there of, of Arcane, it allows me to be involved in in a way in our our parent company now that 
um, is exciting for me and, and kind of going through a bit of a new build with uh, an executive team with a ridiculously rapid organization, uh, rapidly growing organization in a space that I think, again, is, is obviously ripe for disruption in, in the world of marketing, as I mentioned earlier. So, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's nice to be a part of that and not be in the, in the weeds in the day to day, but to have a lens of, of guidance uh, into something that in many cases, I'm probably, um, it, I guess, the most experienced, if you will, outside of one or two others that come from agency um, and are at that kind of advisory level. So that's fun and it's exciting. Shaping the brand of Republics, mm. all that kind of stuff. Um, breaking news, by the way. Breaking news. Yeah, we can chat about that. Um, and then, you know, there's other there's other opportunities. I mean, we have another business called Event Connect that we're have have was actually a spin out, if you will, of of uh, Arcane as well. Um, and it's going through some ridiculously rapid growth. John is the CEO there um, and is, is kind of leading the helm. And, you know, we, we built some technology there that ultimately makes us a, a massive disruptor in a, you know, 90 something billion dollar industry. So to see what John's doing there uh, and building a, a team uh, is unreal. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely involved in, in that from a bit more of a passive way, but, um, I love sports and, and I, and I love teams. And so that in, you know, inside me, that's where I grew up. And so it's an easy connection there and a very different mindset than Morpheo. Um, I would say outside of that, I, I believe that this, the food space, as you see with some of the valuations, uh, and acquisitions lately with Nestle and, and, yeah. and freshly, et cetera, um, is only just begun. So there's a passion there, I think for the supply chain with, with, uh, with, with food and organic food, um, using blockchain and other things that I believe is sort of that next phase. So, um, you know, we're trying to figure out how we're involved in, you know, in, in something like that. Um, but, uh, also trying to be focused and, uh, not take too much on again, naturally like being busy. It's like, okay, what's next shiny object. Yeah. Love yeah. It. So that's, I think that's the, the main part outside of that. I mean, I'm, I have a roller hockey league, play a lot of roller hockey and, and still some, some ice hockey for, uh, awesome. for those to separate the two. So, you know, in the community and get our league going, hopefully again, uh, you know, next summer is, is good for the kids and good for the family. So a little outside passion there too. So lots going on. You a Leafs guy or? Unfortunately, I am a Leafs fan. Well, yes. what's his, who, who, just, who just went over there thinking, uh, you know, he made the move so that he could win a cup. That's Joe Thornton, of course. Oh, Absolutely. Of course, we're going to win this year. Absolutely. Right. No, but I, I, I honestly, like I, there was one year in two, so 2016, I flew back and forth to Calgary about 49, 50 times. Um, I remember I went from London to a meeting in Calgary, got back on the plane and came back in one day and uh, it worked out. Um, I love Calgary. My family was there. They're not anymore. Um, it honestly is one of my favorite cities in the entire world. If I were living anywhere else, I would live in Calgary and I miss it. Uh, I miss it dearly. So a little plug city. for the flames there. I'd always That's go right. to the flames game with my, with my uncle. So we, we love being the underdog, you know, the Calgary, uh, <laughs> the Alberta Calgary underdog. I love so it. much fun. Yeah. Hey, with republics quickly, like, um, you know, when you're looking at, cause a big strategy for, for folks looking to grow is growth through acquisition. What do you look for in terms of is this a deal we want to look at or, or, or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I know I, I guess I kind of bypassed that strategic part of uh, growth uh, when you asked me earlier. And so we had been on the buying side many times. And uh, and I think there was probably three or four large acquisitions that fell through after the LOI stage for other reasons. 
which is probably a good thing because there's no way we would have been able to handle another 300 people or whatever the stupid numbers we were trying to chase. Right. Um, but the strategy itself was smart and it worked very well. Um, you know, as even Calgary, you know, as silly maybe as it was, and, and we didn't know what we didn't know, but uh, we had two up until recently, three of, of the team members of the five, when we, I think bought that bought rare back then, uh, are still with us. And one just recently moved back to the UK. Um, and so unbelievable people, unbelievable city, tons of experiences. And so even though there were some bumps and bruises, it was a smart thing for us to do. Um, on the Republic side, you know, it, it was the right time for us. It made a great decision. We're able to stay on as investors and advisors. And, and that meant a lot to us because our culture, our team, everything that we built up stays the same. That also meant a lot. Um, but now on, on the other side, trying to help find uh, unbelievable agencies with growing, growing profit and growing uh, revenue, you know, we're heavily, heavily uh, excited to, to bring more agencies under the fold. So that's mm. part of my job too, is to, to bring opportunities to the table. So, um, and yeah, the, the, you know, the company is unbelievably uh, uh, growing, um, but we see the opportunity to bring some like-minded people together and, and kind of disrupt uh, up against the conglomerates. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. What do you personally look at as like the top two things that the criteria that must be met before acquiring? Um, to, to. to acquire, so acquiring, you know, uh, yep. someone else to f help fulfill the vision of your current thing. Yeah. I mean, so I, to me, there's like five major points to think about if someone's in their head, I'll answer it a different way of like, okay, is this for me? Yeah. It does take a couple of years to really properly build the business in the financials in a way. I mean, you want to have a sustainable, uh, line of profit and show that consistency, um, in any deal that you go into, because that's ultimately with service side, it's going to be the form of, of how the valuation is, uh, is attributed based on the multipliers with, within certain revenue markers. And I don't want to talk mm. about, uh, multipliers because it's, it's too subjective, but, yeah. um, to build the team, not to let the team be aware necessarily. Um, it again, depends on the structure, but having be mentally prepared, get the finances in order, make sure that you are lean on expenses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's going to take often like one to three years. Mm. Um, you know, you're probably, again, depending on size, this is really hard to do yourself. So right. doing your market research, finding a small M&A firm that can go out there and say, okay, here's the six to 10 to 12 uh, businesses in this area, because there are multiple options to, to sell, it could be clients, you know, it could be industry, it could be conglomerate, it could be through one of portfolio. Um, so you need time to figure out who you're gonna go against. And then you actually need to go through the process of, of pitching uh, hmm. and, and, and going through like, okay, the wooing phase, you know, collectively and, and seeing if they're interested, then you get into the LOI stage and sort of deal specifics. So it's a couple of years at least of that. So, um, but those are a little bit of the things, but ultimately it's gonna come down to consistent profitability. IP is great, a solid team. Um, great results, contracts, retainers are, are a huge, a huge plus all of those factors equate to, uh, you know, larger price points and, and showing that, you know, you actually want to be involved to me. That's a big one because there's always going to be an earnout of some kind. They will all, they'll want to know how you can add value to the new organization. Um, and so there's some nuances there to, to think about, but those are a few factors that I would, I would say. That's awesome. 
Well, today is uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna end the uh, podcast interview until we uh, give a couple minutes for until we're, we're recording this on November 11th, 2020. So it's uh, it's Remembrance Day today. It's a lot different uh, as compared to years past. Obviously, I was making a comment earlier how driving down Memorial today, uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of people there uh, just because it's uh, you know what times we're in. So uh, what are your thoughts on on today? We got to make sure we mention it. Yeah, I mean, we were chatting a little bit earlier, and it's one of those things where it's a, it's kind of a sensitive subject for many people because you know not, nobody likes war and, and nobody wants to talk about it. But you got to remember that you know what our our family, everybody's connected with a family member or an experience in the story, and so I, I you know strip away what's right or wrong or you know politically correct. I mean, ultimately, people lost their lives, and it's something that you got to pause and you got to think about. And, and it's we're in such a weird time where we don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, a lot of our, uh, you know, most agile are not able to kind of live their lives in the time uh, that they want to and, and do the things that they want to do. So when you think about all that the impact uh, with everything that's going on, we have to pause and just remember that people fought for uh, the things that we take for granted in many cases. And that to me, maybe I'm a bit older, but that means a lot. No, absolutely. I agree. Well, man, I appreciate it. I mean, we could we could talk for four more hours, but Ooh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next time next time you're in Calgary, maybe we'll tee it up so that the uh, the buds are in 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 Calgary for a game, and we'll we'll get it sorted out. So, I would love that. That would be amazing. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Take care. The Growth League podcast is brought to you by Hook and Ladder Digital. We are a digital marketing agency that focuses on building and nurturing engaged brand communities, as well as designing, developing, and optimizing lead generation and conversion funnels that leverage advertising, email, landing pages, and content. Our goal is to connect great products and services with the people that want and need them most at the time that makes most sense for them. We want to see business leaders and marketers win and experience next level growth by co-creating a strategy and working together to implement into market and realize the ROI that we're all looking for. So if you have any questions on your digital marketing program, you need support, or you'd just like to have us take a look, please check us out, www.hldigital.ca. Thanks so much.